listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen, amen. You guys can have a seat. And again, so glad that you guys are here tonight. Uh, excited to continue in our Liar Liar series that we took a break from. There we go. Nice. Uh, last week for the big game. Um, if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Some of you are like, man, Bible's totally new. Didn't bring a Bible. There is one right in front of you in the seat. Um, if you do not own a Bible, that is our gift to you. That's why we order so many, so that we can give those to those uh, that, that do not have one. We would love for you to take it and study it in order to find Ephesians. Maybe grab someone next to you, or you can look at this table of contents. It is in the New Testament. And we're going to be in chapter 4. Um, before we get started, I would uh, like to just say, man, I, I enjoyed the game last Tuesday. Any of you guys enjoy the game just a little bit last Tuesday? Yeah? Awesome. Man, I, I, was, uh, I, I, was, I was pumped to see, um, but we kind of watched it here with a good chunk of us on the, on the big screen behind us. That was fun, but it was cool. Every time the student section, they showed it, like, we were like, yeah, and then we kind of laughed because it was insane. Like, there was so much excitement uh, to that game, and, and, and we won. Obviously, that's a good thing. Uh, so much I could say about just all of that, but one of the things that I found most entertaining, honestly, was um, the fact that it's very clear that a lot of tech fans hate Texas more than they love tech, right? Like, it is deep-rooted just disdain and hatred. Like, it's like that breakup that you never get over, but it's not a breakup, obviously. It's, it's that type of just deep-rooted bitterness. Um, and so, as Texas is kind of rolling in on the bus and going down the ramp, I think you know where I'm going with this, um, unless a person on said bus, Texas, was blind or deaf or both, it would have been very obvious via certain things that were said, um, which I hope none of you were saying, <laughs> um, that uh, they were in trouble. Uh, I think maybe one specific thing that I could narrow down is they're rolling the bus in and they're looking and hearing what's being said and signs, all that. I think something that stuck out was probably this. We are in enemy territory. <laughs> we are not in our homeland. We are in enemy territory. And very similar to that, um, I would just want to preface tonight with the lie that we're going to confront, and really any lie, um, because Satan is called the father of lies, we know that every lie is from him. It's derived from him. Um, he is, another name for Satan is the deceiver, right? Have I heard that before? And so in this whole series, every lie that we've come across and we've answered from Scripture, that we've refuted from Scripture, comes from him. But I would say specifically tonight's lie that we're going to address, just for warning, I feel like specifically we are entering into enemy territory. This is a lie that I have seen that is specifically involving what people think about the church, about God's church and its purpose, what it, what it is, why, why we come here, um, what the church is supposed to offer or do for others. And what's very interesting is that this is from all ages. This is old and young. So it's not like the old people who say, this young generation, they just don't get it anymore. No, no, this hits all of us. 
And why I say this is enemy territory, another reason is that what I've witnessed and seen, even for myself, is I've been able at sometimes, or I've fallen to believe in this lie. And I think what Satan wants single-handedly is to use this lie to immobilize an entire generation of Christians, old and young, in our modern day, to make us ineffective against the spiritual warfare that he's bringing. You're like, why are you talking about warfare? This is weird. This got serious real fast. Well, I don't think you should always be scared and worried about spirits in the air and stuff like that, but the Bible says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, that it's not the physical things you need to be so consumed about, but we wrestle against spiritual powers. There is real spiritual war going on. Satan's going to lose the war, right? Amen. But there is a war between God and Satan, between the kingdom of God and the kingdom that Satan wants to have on this earth. And so what this kind of looks like is all of these lies that he's shooting at us. You can think of them as maybe uh, bullets that he's shooting in, in, in warfare time. I think the reason this is very clearly enemy, the, the land of the enemy, enemy territory, and something that he's had a stronghold on is because what I've seen as I've looked around is I've seen fellow soldiers in Christ, me at times included, being hit with these bullets. You tracking? Like it's very obvious that the enemy has a, a strong effect. I see people getting hit and affected even to the effect of their own spiritual health, keeping with the metaphor. And so here's my posture tonight. I feel like I've had other good fellow soldiers in Christ sort of come alongside me, get me out of that warfare for a minute, make sure I'm okay, clean me up, clean my wounds, so to speak, kind of keeping with the illustration, right? And we sort of look back at this lie and we sort of think, man, like, why did that work so well? What was this strategy? Why, why was that so believable? And that's kind of what I would like to do tonight. That's kind of my posture as we're brother, if you are a believer, like I know I'm a pastor, but we're brothers and sisters, right? We're brothers and sisters. We're walking in Christ together. And like, and like someone who's maybe been in the battle, just honestly, just a, maybe a few years longer, seeing maybe a little bit more of the enemy's tactics, wanting to come alongside you as a fellow soldier and say, hey, like, let me, let me get you out of this. I, I see you're kind of getting hit by this. Let me get you over here under some protection. Like, make sure you're okay, regroup, and let's look back and see what Satan has kind of been doing that's working and talk about maybe why that's been so, you've been so easily deceived. Does that make sense? A thumbs up? That makes sense? Okay, cool. Awesome. So what I want to do is turn to Ephesians chapter 4, reading verses 1 until I stop. <laughs> Starting Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. It says this, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord. This is Paul talking urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might feel all things. Here's our focus verse for tonight. Two verses. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ, 
until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. The word manhood, by the way, can just be general maturity. You don't have to just be a man. <laughs> Good information to know. Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Deceit is root in deceiver, lies from Satan. Verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would speak clearly tonight through your word. God, help us to see how this applies. God, give me significant measures of of grace and truth and help us understand. God, I pray that we would walk away seeing exactly what it is that you want to speak to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we're looking at this text, why did I bust this text out? Well, I won't won't try to um, preface it any longer. This lie that I feel is so damaging, this lie that is the reason some people come to this church and the reason some people leave this church and go to any church or leave any church, this lie has been around for a very, very long time. And it is this lie, that the church exists to entertain me, that the church exists to entertain me. Now, I read scripture first because from what we just read, maybe benefit of a doubt, all of us passed the the grade level, I think, in school where we had to learn how to read (laughs) in the room. And so you can probably read this and deduct that that's not really it. Right, That kind of really missed the mark when you're talking about why the church exists in its grand purpose. As we sort of walk through the verses from verse 1, what we see Paul calling for is, one, hey, you were called by Christ to salvation, and then you're called to a body of, you're called to the church. He's going through, he says, verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope. You see that over and over? Unity, one, one, one. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. He goes on. By the way, this whole language in verse eight and nine was like when he ascended on high and he descended. This is basically saying, Hey, when Christ started his church, when he came to the earth for the first time, what he did when he installed or started the church, gave birth to the church, is he gave us, through the Holy Spirit, specific gifts. Each one of us is wired differently, right? Who are my people in here that are really organized, like really organized? You may have what's called the gift of administration. Who is someone that could talk to a tree, right? You don't have any gifts. You're just weird. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. No, some of you, this may be really good at communicating, creating a warm environment. I bet sometimes someone's been down or discouraged and you've been one, somebody that has a cheerful spirit, you can encourage, right? I could give a lot of different examples. Who's someone that maybe finds themselves not wanting to be so much in the front, but like loves to just, just serve, even if no one ever knows about it. People like that just love to serve. That's awesome. Yeah, this is a gift of, of service. Maybe you have people in here that love to invite people into their homes or just make people feel welcome. It's called the gift of hospitality. I can go on and on and on. All of us are wired differently. And what Paul's getting at is like, 
we're all these different members of the body, just like different parts of the physical body, got arms, legs, and all the things, right? And so what he's saying is that all of those are important. We need all of the parts, just like a physical body does, but we need that in the church. We need everyone's gifting. We need everyone's background. We need everyone's perspective. And we all come together for that sake. And so he's saying, Christ came when he started this church. He gave us to each other as a gift. And then even more, specifically, in verse 11, he he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers, the original 12 apostles at different times in history, prophetic speaking, not future telling. It's normally not what the scripture's talking about. It's talking about people who just have a gift of being very, like, able to speak something that's true, rooted in God's word into someone's life that's rooted in the scripture. So not, God's gonna give you a new car. That's called false prophecy, right? When someone says something that they speak so specifically to your life, and it's so overwhelmingly encouraging, but it's, it's rooted in God's word. That's what that's talking about, by the way. People that have that sort of gifting. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, people that are just so natural at having gospel conversations are at least really wired and passionate about it and always looking how to love the lost. He gave the shepherds, another word for pastor. That's, that's the role that I have specifically, humbled and honored to have that. And teachers, people who are gifted at teaching God's word. So he gave specific offices that seem to be those who are, are leading and corralling the rest of the body under their ministry, saying, hey, let's go and do these things. You know, tracking with that. He gave this. Why? Verse 11 says he gave them, and verse 12 says this, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. So friends, the church does not exist to entertain you or me. The church exists to equip you and me. Amen? You see that? Now what, now, what does equip mean? I would say a great way of saying equip in the modern day is spiritual nourishment. So everything that we're saying, everything that we're doing in this ministry, our goal, if we're equipping you well, you are walking away from it. If you're leaning in, if you're engaged, if you're involved, you're leaning into it and you're walking away more like Jesus. Not only that, if we're truly equipping you, if we're giving you spiritual nourishment to where you grow and you mature, you're not only able to know more about God, eventually that overflows into you being equipped to being able to tell others about God, right? Because you're growing and you got so much, you're just filling up, you start overflowing, that's the vision of the church. And verse 13 is very telling. It says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God to mature man, how do you just say maturity, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You see that? It's the, the end goal is becoming like Jesus. Can I get a nod? You see that? Nod? All right, cool. We may what? No longer be children. So the problem here is there's not maturity using the, the language of the physical body. There's not this mature adult body spiritually happening. There's this childish faith, right? Immaturity happening. And he's saying, we no, no longer want you to be like children spiritually. 
you know, I can get Eleanor to believe anything. That's my daughter. Like I could, I could tell her, like, that's really messed up. And I don't do that, by the way. But she's a child. Like I could convince her that I was Superman, right? And I'm very obviously not. I'm the opposite of that, whatever that is. I'm non-Superman, all right? Children are gullible and children are emotional. Children are fragile. Children don't know very much about how the world really works. So I keep going on. And he's saying, cross that over spiritually in your spirituality, in your walk with Jesus. Are you tossed about every time something little happens? Are you thrown off by everything? Do you have... Are you so maybe unfamiliar, not, not condemning those who are newer to Christianity, but if you've been following Jesus for years, are you so unfamiliar with God's word that you really have no idea how to articulate what you believe, just like a child doesn't even know how to tell someone where they live? So he says, we no longer want to be like that. Rather, verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we are to What? Grow up. Isn't, like, isn't that simple? Like, like really, like, y'all comprehend that, right? It's not some weird, like, I just don't know what Paul means. I don't know if I, he wants us to grow up. <laughs> Speaking the truth in love. In other words, we see the gap between where we are, little baby Christians, and where we should be growing in Christ-likeness. And we have people, the body, brothers and sisters, gifted in different things, different struggles, different histories, backgrounds. But one Lord, the same Lord that gave us grace and mercy through Jesus Christ, who died for our sins on the cross and rose from the dead and is now transforming us day by day. We as a body speak the truth in love to one another so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro, but may grow up in our faith. Amen? You see that? That's the word. <clears throat> 16, verse 16, from whom, this is Christ, grow up into the head. So none of us get to be the head, all right? You got to be an arm, you got to be a leg, finger. Don't overanalyze that, by the way, okay? <clears throat> Christ is the head. When we're all unified and when the body's working and functioning, when we're going in the same direction, we're like, hey, I messed up, I got my sin, I got my stuff, but I'm walking with you. I'm not perfect, we're all imperfect, but we're walking in this direction of growing in Christ-likeness, right? It's okay to be a child, it's just not okay to stay a child, right? We all have friends and family, they didn't get that memo, right? <laughs> like, it's like, you gotta grow up. Same way in the church. It's okay to be aware, I am a spiritual child, but it's not okay to turn and face the opposite direction of Christ-likeness. But with the whole body, we face this way and grow up into the head. It's one body, arms and legs, all of us together. Into the head who is Christ, verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Is that word equipped again? What does equipped mean again? Spiritual nourishment. All right. Y'all are really remembering everything. That's fine. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, spiritually nourished, from which it has been given tools and opportunities and spaces to grow in Christ, from which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, hands, feet, arm, legs, makes the body, what? 
grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, just think about a scenario. Someone who's never seen a church, ever, somehow gets a copy of the Bible. They read Ephesians 4. Do you think that there is any chance on this earth, like even the slightest, that they would read that and conclude, the church exists to entertain me? Yes or no? Not a chance. I'll go a step further. From Genesis to Exodus, that's the first book of the Bible. Sorry, Genesis to Revelation. You're like, bro, you don't know your Bible. Genesis to Revelation. Do you think anyone could read that and conclude that the church exists to entertain me? You don't, do you? And I knew that you wouldn't because you guys are smart. And I'm not saying that and sarcastically. I knew you would be tracking with this. And so here's, here's where I want to go tonight. I am aware that most people in this room, you're, you're tracking with it. You're like, yeah, that, is it? I wouldn't want to say that. Maybe I've kind of felt that way before. And there's people in this room, even a Christian for a while, you've grown up in church, maybe some that are new to it, maybe some first time. And so I got a, a fun like mix of different backgrounds. And so I think I kind of want to explain it like this. I think that what can happen, by the way, it's okay to put the Bible on the carpet. Don't worry, it's not, I'm not gonna get struck by lightning. Um, <laughs> so I think what happens is maybe we wouldn't say we believe that lie, but what we see is we see that lie manifest in different things. And so what I would say is maybe my struggle in life is I'm not going to church thinking, I'm going to church today to be equipped. Brandon Hayes is going to preach an excellent sermon. I'm going to walk away becoming more like Jesus and go share the gospel with my waiter at uh, Picante's or wherever I go, right? I should. I think I have a variety of mixed things. I'm a pastor. I work here. So I kind of have to come on Sunday. I do want to come. But I think what happens is that when we're not dialed in on knowing, hey, the church exists to equip me. I exist to grow in my faith when I come here. Anything less than that, even, I'm not saying it's like, there's some off weeks, right? But anything less than that for my goals, I'm missing the mark of scripture. I think it kind of comes down to this. We have a Skittles versus broccoli mindset. And so as, as children, and honestly, let's be real, even now, unless you're weird, okay, I'm throwing you under the bus, be honest, for taste alone, for taste alone, don't worry about the nutritional value, we'll get there. If you had to choose, you don't get any ranch dressing, like, okay, you don't love broccoli, you love ranch, okay? All right, if you had to choose solely based on taste, you would, you would choose Skittles over broccoli, right? Is there anyone that wants to dare raise their hand and that they rather have broccoli? Oh, man, Colin, I'll just get out. Lane, you too? Hey, man. Oh, man, I'll pray for you guys, man. Gosh, I thought you guys were saved. Um, anyway, I'm just joking. Like, is this how they talk to people here? Um, no, so here we go. Track one with me. So what happens is that obviously Skittles taste better. But what you know, as you learned as a, as a kid, maybe in schools they showed you the, the pyramid or whatever it's called of nutrition. Skittles didn't make it, right? Did they? A little asterisk like, don't eat Skittles. I'm shaking these Skittles a lot. Um, and so if you look at the Skittles, like, 
It's 110 calories for, oh, it's 3.5 servings. Good grief, it's more than that. That's just a few. Does anyone not just eat the whole box, right? And so I, I eat the whole box. So 110 calories, mostly all carbs. This broccoli stinks, by the way. This stinks terribly. Um, and so it's all carbs. There's no nutritional value. There's no protein. It's one gram of fat. They just probably made that up, okay? And so there's nothing there. It's nothing good for you. And so your parents tell you to do what? They tell you to eat your vegetables. Hopefully they introduce you to broccoli. Now, what is broccoli? Broccoli, I promise I'm going somewhere with this. I don't know a lot about food, but obviously I've eaten enough, so I know a little bit, okay? Broccoli is a superfood, right? 30 calories, one cup, 30 calories, three grams of protein. That's a perfect one to 10 ratio. Those of you in the bodybuilding, nutrition, you want that. If your meal is 100 calories, you want to have 10 grams of protein. If it's 330, you're welcome. Free advice. You're like, bro, you need to follow that advice. Anyway, so broccoli, very, very healthy, very good. So in this scenario, if a kid has a diet of one kid, kid A has a diet of all Skittles, kid B has a diet of all broccoli. I don't want to be morbid, but probably by the end of the month, kid A is dead, right? Kid A is dead. He doesn't have a name. Don't worry about it. And girls, it's a heaps, okay? Don't worry about it. Don't personally. All right. Kid B, he eats broccoli. Very nurse, stays alive. Got a superfood. Probably has some stomach issues. Okay, can deal with that. And after a month, maybe he's convinced that he's a vegetarian, but this is Texas. We can fix that. We can give him a steak, slowly ease him back in to the real world. But where I'm going is, is that it would be so easy to choose Skittles, even though it would malnourish us. Be so easy because broccoli, it's not sexy, it's not attractive, it looks nasty, it smells really bad, even right now. I'm not going to eat that. But actually, something so simple and not very attractive is the very thing that you would need. Y'all tracking with that? I'm actually getting serious now. What it seems so unattractive, what seems so simple, what seems like really that doesn't make me feel good, that can't be right. It's actually, sorry, Tyler, whoo, I almost hit you, bro. It's actually the one thing, dude, that would have been bad. That would have ruined it. Yeah. I've thrown a Bible before. That was unintentional too. Um, and so what it seems, <laughs> that was not supposed to be funny. All right. <laughs> what seems, really? This? Really? Ephesians 4? That's it? I actually probably needed those Skittles, but I'll just leave this down. So here's the deal. Spiritually, when we go to church, and we're like, man, I, I want to come here to be equipped. I want to come here to grow. Should you want to, like, genuinely enjoy yourself and have fun? Yes. Like, if you're like, I'm going to go to church, but I'm not going to have any fun. If I have one ounce of fun, I'm leaving. That church is not for me. One ounce, I'm done. I'm gone. I'm going to go to church. They don't smile. Right? That's not good. That's not healthy. Because there's a fruit of the Spirit called joy. <laughs> right? <laughs> Missing that one. Whoops. Okay? Read yourself some Galatians 5. Really good stuff. But I think where, this, where the Skittles come in versus the broccoli, things like this, we assume, man, if the church is just to entertain me, then, entertain me, then sermons must exist to make me feel good. Or it better be Hillsong or Elevation for me to get that hand up. Or on the opposite side, it better be Sovereign Grace or Matt Boswell for me to truly worship. How do you know who that is? 
It's got to be a hymn. It's got to be a praise song. Man, they better give me community when I come there. Just as easy it is to drink that coffee, they better give me that community. So going back, friends, the, the broccoli would tell you, broccoli's not gonna talk, don't worry. <laughs> the broccoli would tell you <clears throat> that sermons, while a lot of the effects is, man, they would encourage you, Sermons don't primarily exist to make you feel good about yourself. You know what a good sermon does? And sometimes I miss the mark, but a good sermon is actually meant to show you, compared to Christ, how you should not feel so good about yourself, but you should come to the end of yourself where you finally look up to Jesus who, see, who sees the risen Savior who died for your sins and rose from the dead and says, come to me, all who are weary in your labor, come to me, every sinner who needs forgiveness, come to me, believe in me, I will save you and live a life of following me. So it's not so much make yourself feel good about yourself. What it's more about is to see Christ who gives you his spirit, puts his spirit inside of you so that the best thing about yourself is no longer yourself but Christ in you. I'm going to say that again. It is so the best thing about you because of what Christ has done for you. Every good sermon will show you the best thing about you is no longer you. It is Christ in you. That's what sermons exist to do. So if you walk away feeling happy and joyful and woohoo, that was fun, and know nothing of Jesus, I have missed the mark big time. And I will answer to God for that. And every pastor who, who also does the same thing because that's not what a church is. The next thing, with community. The church should give me community. No, 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 look at Ephesians 4. The church doesn't exist to give you community. The church exists to give you a space where you can gather as a body, Ephesians 4, with other believers and build community. You see that? To build it together. That's what it exists for. And so this fusses out in two different ways. Listen, like, I love you, and I was sort of clicky in college, too. So, like, let me just, like, kneel down. I'm with you. Like, eye level. It's really hard not to be clicky, okay? Y'all tracking? Y'all good? Don't feel condemned. But here's, here's how that flushes out. On one side, what happens is there's people who have been here a while. You know each other, and it's like, man, I finally have my, my, my group. We're, like, four, five, six, seven, eight, and we've got to stay together. Like, if we let anyone else in, oh, I don't know what will happen. And so it's predictable. Every week, same, sit in the same space, like, same groups, all this stuff. I did the same thing. Again, not to feel condemned. But what happens is, I, I, I was trying to look for, like, a, a mannequin earlier today. I couldn't find it. But what we end up looking like is a bunch of, like, arms, like, walking around, severed from a body. Like, it's either funny or some scene from a horror movie, right? Like, I don't know what to decide. And what, what Paul wants us to see, what God wants us to see, is either, like, huh, that's kind of funny, or that's terrifying. Either way, that's not what the body's supposed to be. Y'all tracking? And what we're doing is us as little arms and legs separated from maybe hands and feet that we need, we're not flourishing because we're not a completed body. Y'all seeing that? So in home groups, when you don't talk to people every single week that you don't know, when you never meet someone new, we look ridiculous, right? Little, little arms bouncing around. Like, we look so dumb. And God is like, listen, my design is not dumb. Like, it's good. It's beautiful. 
Bring other people in. Yeah, they're kind of standing back there. Bring them in, okay? And here's how it looks on the other side. I'm gonna be very gentle here because, man, like social anxiety, past bad experiences with churches, all the things you can fill in the blank. There are some that they feel very much excluded from the community. The people like, you wish that just as easy it is to go to the back of the room and drink a cup of coffee, you wish it was that easy to immediately have community. Fair? If we could have it instantly, like, hey, praise God, right? But it's not how it works. And so what happens in that situation is we get intimidated to meet new people, and that's okay. And we never lean in, and it takes, yeah, months. It takes a while. It takes a long time. And so we also end up looking ridiculous as little like hands or feet just kind of sitting there floating around, severed from the rest of the body. And I want to give you some motivation that maybe for those of you maybe just feel like, ah, I'm not really that connected. Here, here's my, like, I want to influence you and encourage you. Man, I think it's worth embracing maybe some 20 seconds of awkwardness overcoming that maybe natural default introversion because here's what's beautiful, friends. Here's what I'm bringing in. What's so beautiful is that by staying away and not trying to engage the groups, and the cliques, we're, work, we're, we're working on that too. They, we may, as a, as a journey, may be a little dysfunctional because you are the, the hands and feet that complete the body. You see that? You may be the hands and feet that complete the body. And if, 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 you, if you come in, it's like, oh man, we got, we got the hands, we got the feet, we got the lip. Man, here we are. Now we're clicking. Now we're growing. Now people from every different background, even culture and, and language, got people from, from Baptist backgrounds, Methodist backgrounds, whatever background you want to say, but we're one in Christ and we're coming together as a body and we're growing and we're flourishing. And on the worship song thing, guys, here's the deal. If, if, it, if it contradicts this, look, we shouldn't sing it, and you should, you should call it out. I, I really mean that uh, to the bottom of my heart. But it's, it's, it's not a truth that isn't derived from an individual. Hillsong didn't invent worship truth. Jane and Shane didn't invent worship truth. Truth is from God. And sometimes people that are severely lacking in truth say some truthful things. And what I just don't want you to do on either side, I don't want you to get excited one way or the other and, and amen your favorite people, your favorite bands, and get those hands up and hold back an amen from the same song that has the same truth with the same message and the same gospel. And say, I'm not gonna amen that. Does that make sense? That directly goes against Ephesians 4. And so when we get caught up in this entertainment thing, you're like, no, I'm not entertained. I just had my preferences. Exactly. It's like Chick-fil-A or Cane's, Walmart or Target. I'm just gonna, I, but I gotta go. I gotta find that perfect church. What's going to happen if you got to find that perfect church is you're going to church hop your entire college years and you're never going to find it. Let me give you a break. If you were convinced you got to find the perfect church, I'm going to tell you right now, we're not perfect. Like, we blew it. We failed. Like, first night, I tell them, 
we're not perfect. But you know what you can look for? No, stop looking for the perfect church and stop looking for imperfect people just like you and me, saved by the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who come together to worship as one, Ephesians 4, one body, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and ultimately, one worship song. You know what that worship song is? The song we're gonna sing in heaven. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Every worship song basically boils down to that. Are you overcoming all by our Lord Jesus Christ? Are you walking away saying, man, that guitar solo was awesome? Are you walking away saying Jesus was awesome? That's what it boils down to. I want to ask the band to come up. So what we've talked about tonight, again, going back to that kind of soldier metaphor, you know what's so beautiful? Like, All of you are still, you can be solid in your faith, but you're trying to figure out what you believe. And my, my gut, as I've just looked across churches and stuff, is that, man, maybe no one's ever just sat down and told you, man, like, what is the church about? What is the church supposed to be? I was thinking about how many people that I've talked to, and me, myself included, um, and we're, we think about the whole dating thing, we wanna get married. Um, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people, and so much excitement about that. That's a cool thing. Um, to have a relationship with someone and live with them forever. And I was thinking, man, really the author and creator of love is God. <laughs> And it's best in your season of life, what so many of you guys are searching for and looking for is something that he created, that he designed. And you know what? One of the most beautiful pictures of God's church ever. Actually, I'm, my opinion, okay, the Bible's over here, my opinion, is that the church is called the bride of Christ. And when you become a believer, the picture is, is that you become a part of the body of Christ, but you also the bride of Christ and Christ being the bridegroom. And one day when we get to heaven, the, the groom, Christ, and the, his church, the bride, are going to come together in union forever. It's gonna be beautiful, be amazing. And so, so many of us are kind of trapped in this. We're so consumed and I was there too, so excited, even as believers about an earthly marriage when we've already been married to the King of Kings. <laughs> is in control of this whole thing that we're doing called the church. We are the bride. He is the groom. He is the head. He leads us. He guides us. And in leading us, I just want to tell y'all, man, it's so cool. Two years in, man, so many things to work with, but gosh, by the grace of God, I don't know what it is the past couple months or so, but man, seeing 2020, so much clarity and seeing how God's working in your lives, in our ministry, and in individuals' lives. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. 
And that works best, friends, when we say, you're the head. <laughs> this is all about you. You get to call us out. You get to do it. And so as we close up, I just want to tell you, man, like, I see God doing some incredible things. I see him doing Ephesians 4, okay? Some of you, it's like preaching to the choir. You don't need to hear this. You know this. I see him accomplishing that unity, that beauty of coming under him. Like, I see it, friends. I see it. your eyes and we're going to reflect for a moment. What I want you to do is I want you to just be honest with God. And I want you to just say, search my heart. Where is an honest area where I can truly see that maybe I'm a little lean, I lean more towards, I'm bent more towards seeking to be entertained or seeking to be given something without being a part of the body? I just want you to ask the Lord that. Where, where is that in my life? Some of you, maybe you're like, I've never even heard this before. I don't even know if I'm a Christian. Am I an invitation to you? It's to join in and be welcomed by first the love of Jesus and come in and believe in him and follow him. Look around this room and see, man, there are all these people in here that will do that with you. It's an invitation. It's the quietness of your heart. We're gonna give you a minute. I, just, I would just love, if you'd be willing, I'd love to challenge you just to commit and say, man, I, I'm gonna do my best by the power of the Holy Spirit under the Lord Jesus' grace to live out Ephesians 4. Give you guys just a few moments. The band will lead us. We hope you are encouraged by today's podcast. If you'd like to learn more about The Journey, check us out on Instagram or Facebook at The Journey LBK. Thanks for listening.